It just got worse and worse to it spiraled out of control and stressing about literally everything. This episode is brought to you by The Parlor Hair and Body Salon. With a quick reminder, it's okay to take time for yourself. Hi, I'm Chelsea. You're listening to Beyond the Picket Fence, where you're invited to take a break from keeping it together. Let's get real. This week's guest finds us all the way from Australia. I came across Zoe Jean in a Facebook group and her courage and willingness to put herself out there immediately impressed me. Her story, like many, deals with the mental headspace. She suffered with chronic stress and anxiety for most of her life. What does that even mean? Here to share her story, it's Zoe Jean. My name is Zoe Jean and I'm a body, mindset and soul coach. And I help women build connections to their bodies, transform their mindset and find their true purpose in life with a special interest in chronic stress and anxiety. Will you take me back to before you had the tools to help yourself through that and tell us a day in the life of Zoe before you had all of your tools? So I grew up in Murray Bridge and my past has really shaped the person I've become today. My parents broke up at the age of two and from there I moved to Murray Bridge with my mum and sister. Growing up, my mum was like a heavy alcoholic and I didn't really see my dad very much. So even from a young age, I felt really abandoned, alone, like I didn't really have any support or anyone to talk to. And my parents just really weren't there for me and my mum used to kind of do everything for me. So at a very young age, I started to develop limiting beliefs of, you know, being dumb, not good enough and stuff like that. And in school, I had a really tough time in school. I was bullied a lot and, you know, called ugly and, you know, dumb. And I had teachers say I could tell, you know, you're not very good at reading and writing, stuff like that. And I always struggled through school and I never knew why. And then after completing school, I found out I had dyslexia. That would have been part of the reason. And then from the age of 11, I started stressing at the age of 11 because I was in year six at the time and I got a new friend and she was like really tall and skinny. And I'm 153 centimetres, so I'm quite short. So because I was a little bit chubby at the time, I did, you know, just be in like the overweight section. So I like I felt really fat and like not good enough. And she was like eating salads every day for lunch. So I started stressing at that age, which is ridiculous, right? What does an 11-year-old have to stress about? And because I didn't get the support and I didn't really know what was going on at the time, it just got worse and worse to it spiraled out of control and stressing about literally everything. Oftentimes with mental illness, we can't physically see what's going on. So I asked Zoe to explain for us what it was like through her lens and how the anxiety and stress was manifesting in her life. It started off as headaches. And then from there, it moved on to, you know, insomnia, shaking, panic attacks, and, you know, just not being able to calm myself down, always being on edge and like jumping at like the slightest movement and always feeling like people were trying to attack me. And yeah, it was just not a very good place to live. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's so scary. Well, you said two things that I want to understand more. You said that 
you didn't feel like you had support from your mom. And then at the same time, you said that your mom did everything for you. So what kind of support were you needing that she didn't give you? And then what was she doing that wasn't helpful, if that makes sense? Yeah, it definitely does. So basically, yeah, I guess I felt like dumb and like she was not letting me be capable of trying things and teaching me because she just did everything for me. I think it's because she just thought it was, you know, easier. Like I even got to year three and I didn't even know how to like tie my shoelaces up because she used to just do everything for me and I'd get so embarrassed at school and stuff like that. I went to year five camp. I'd never even turned to shower room before. I guess it just sort of installed that limiting belief that she didn't think I was like smart enough or worthy or capable to do my own stuff. And yeah, I guess because she just thought that it was easier. And with my dad, for example, the same sort of scenario, I had an old sister. So he just used to like teach her how to do everything. And then when she stopped visiting him, he just automatically expected me to be able to do everything. And then when I couldn't, it just, the stress and anxiety just escalated and made me see how dumb I believed I was. But I later realized that it I wasn't actually dumb at all. I just had so much belief in myself that I was dumb. I made it impossible for me to be able to do it because I didn't believe it was possible. And we can only achieve what our brains believe possible. Of course, if we tell ourselves we can't do something, of course, we're never going to be able to do it. Now, this resonates with me. I was the youngest of four girls for 12 years of my life. Then my mom had my little sister. It's kind of a running joke that my little sister is the youngest and I am the baby. I didn't realize until after therapy and life coaching that that was a limiting belief for me. I just figured I can't do it because my mom or my sisters will figure it out for me. Ask anyone in my family. I almost never bring my wallet anywhere because my sisters or my husband or my dad or whoever I'm with would always just take care of it for me. I even remember one time my older sister, Heather, she was doing something for herself that I remember thinking was the husband's job. And I asked her, why are you doing that? And she simply looked at me and said, because I can. Why was this such a huge shock to me that we don't have to wait around for someone to do something for ourselves? We can totally just do it. I'm slowly overcoming this thought and I've secretly stopped believing I'm the baby of the family. I'm not a baby. I'm a grown A woman. And I've got this. While I feel like sometimes I was babied, I at least knew how to turn a shower on. Zoe's mom had done so much for her that she was in year five, or in America, fifth grade, without ever turning on her own shower. Since this interview, I've tried to take note and realize how much I really do for Jackson. Maybe because I saw him die, or because he's medically fragile, but you know, I'm not serving him by doing everything for him. So I try to stop myself and remember to let him figure things out on his own so he doesn't end up stuck not knowing how to turn a shower on by fifth grade. And you know what? He can do it. Tonight, he gave himself a bath. I didn't even turn the water on. How much could our kids do for themselves if we gave them the chance? I wonder. And you know what? No shame to her mom because sometimes it's way faster just to do things for them. <laughs> Let's be real. <laughs> But now I'm asking myself, is faster always better? I mean, no wonder Zoe was stressed all the time. So I wondered, when did it get unmanageable? I would say high school is pretty unmanageable there when it was just getting over the top. Like I just, you know, I had enough. And by that point, I definitely knew that something was wrong. 
And I've started getting support at Headspace, which is kind of the mental health institution in Australia. I'm not sure about overseas. Um, I've seen like psychologists and stuff like that. You know, nothing was really working and they were kind of just, you know, helping within the moment stuff. And I found, I felt like what also showed me that it was really, really bad was the fact that like when I was given relaxation stuff to do, it made me feel even worse. I just couldn't, you know, deep breathe or meditate. And the thought about it made me stress even more because I guess it's because I just, I didn't feel safe to try and take a deep breath or to try to meditate. And that's really when I knew that, you know, enough is enough. Nothing really helped or supported me until I took that big leap and invested in a life coach. And then from there, my life completely transformed. Wow. Okay. Before we get to that part, where do you think that all of the stress and stuff came from? Do you feel like it was from your parents separating at such a young age or was there any like traumatic events or it was just like this chronic anxiety that just had control of you and you didn't really know where it came from? I know that was kind of a loaded question, but Zoe explained that because of the separation, she mostly stayed with her mom and saw her dad every other weekend. Sometimes I think we forget how much that can be for a child. Yeah, I believe that that did have a part with it because as children, you know, we want to feel loved and we want to feel like whole and connected to our parents. And if, you know, we barely see a parent and then our other parent, you know, is too busy to even really notice us and not really take the time to do stuff with us and be present with us. And then we see our dad once a fortnight and then when we see him, he's quite often busy doing something in the shed and it's pretty much just his girlfriend taking care of us it can feel yeah really lonely and you know kind of make you feel unwanted and you know not cared for so that's really where a lot of the limiting beliefs came from and from there yeah I think it was just like the fact that in society we're so prone to people please and compare ourselves to others and I think that's also a big impact of where the stress came from as stress and anxiety seeing it started at the age of 11 thinking I was fat. So, Yeah, and you said you were bullied. Were you bullied in high school? Yeah, bullied in high school and primary school, yeah. This is now my third episode that has brought up bullying. What the heck, people? How is this even happening? Oh, my goodness. Can you just share a little bit about the bullying? <laughs> yeah, 100%. In school, I never had very many friends. And quite often what really brought me down as well is at times, you know, we had to like get into groups and do like partner work and no one would ever want to be my partner. And that also contributed to a lot of limiting beliefs of I'm not good enough, unlovable as well. And even the PE teacher, we used to break up in like he used to pick two people and they would like say who they want on their team and I was never picked as well. I was called ugly a lot. I 100% remember in year five. I like the space of five guys call me ugly in like, I feel like it was like a month. So it was definitely a mixture of males and females that bullied me and called me names. But I think that being called ugly made the biggest impact and just, yeah, feeling alone and not accepted as well. So you kind of felt like, for lack of better terms, you had like this broken home where your parents weren't quite there for you and then there was nobody at school and you didn't feel good enough for yourself. So it was just this like overwhelming stress. I can't do it by myself. And just like stressing about everything. That is so sad. I'm sorry. When you say chronic anxiety, I've heard like anxiety and depression. When you say chronic anxiety, what does that mean to you? 
So to me, chronic anxiety is just, it kind of went along with the chronic stress. It means like it's constant, it's nonstop, um, and the symptoms don't disappear. Like I would have, I would have like severe chronic headaches as soon as I wake up, as soon as I go to bed, I would wake up throughout the night to go to the toilet. That would automatically be there. So I just mean like it doesn't stop, it's constant. Wow. Because sometimes people feel like certain events or memories or situations bring on their anxiety but mine was just there non-stop so that's basically what I meant so what age were you when you did that investment in yourself I was 20 and I was lucky enough that my sister was the one that actually introduced me to this life coach because originally like I had like the worst money mindset and I, I would never like invest in myself either I just wanted to get all the free information but she really helped me to see that you know, if free information was enough, we'd all be healed. And we have to show ourselves that we feel worthy of, you know, healing and worthy of that investment. So yeah, I was at the age of 20, she introduced me. And yeah, I just really took, you know, getting uncomfortable and putting my whole self on the line for her. Like for anyone out there, I know how scary it can really feel, but you just have to find, you know, someone that you feel comfortable with and just know that, we all go through challenges and it's nothing to be afraid of. And we grow through getting uncomfortable. We have to get uncomfortable to become comfortable. Australia is similar to America in their education years. So if I calculated correctly, there was about a year or two where Zoe was out of high school, but not life coached yet. I wanted to know what that looked like. After high school, I was originally worked, like I started, I was still working my very first job was which was as a register assistant in a reject shop. I'm not sure if you have those shops overseas, but I was working there and, yeah, I just wasn't really getting the hours there. And I was also, like, got in trouble there because what I also noticed what my stress and anxiety caused was because I was always, like, on edge and, you know, thinking people were, like, trying to attack me and, like, I was in stress and in fight and flight mode and, like, trying to rush and get through everything it made me come up like a cost aggressive in my tone of voice so I actually even got in trouble there once and that also really showed me as well that wow like I really need help this is at breaking point and I yeah, just wasn't getting the hours there so from there I did a aged care certificate in aged care and worked in aged care for a little while and even there I just wasn't fulfilled I wasn't happy I had no idea what my life purpose is or what I wanted to do anything like that and yeah I just I just wasn't happy I was living day day by day and then your sister convinced you to go to this life coach so can you tell me a little bit about what that you said it got uncomfortable first and you just kind of put everything out there so will you just walk me through that next part of your story yeah so basically with a life coach you know like it can only change if you're like willing to put in the work and you really have to get vulnerable and uncomfortable and completely be open to share like where you currently are at and then from there when you're open and show where you're currently at that's when you know the changes can start happening and when you let go and surrender and where all of us go wrong is we let our ego mind take over and then like it always comes up with all these solutions which aren't actually the case so it, it involves putting your ego to the side and tuning into your subconscious mind and then from there what life coaches do and what I do as well is we talk to your subconscious mind and we get into your subconscious mind to you know find the first event of where you came up 
you know, with your anxiety or limiting beliefs. So I take you through, we do like a range of limiting beliefs and emotions. So you find out where the root cause of that is and you go in and you get rid of that root cause. Like it helps you to show that it wasn't actually as bad as what it seemed and you kind of rewire that belief and then you go over the, the timeline, like the timeline of your life and, you know, reevaluate all those situations and that definitely was, you know, the biggest transformation for me. But I was very, very resistant at the start. And I had like my ego mind getting in the way and saying, no, it wasn't like it. I just said it to like, no, it wasn't at this age. It wasn't this or it wasn't that. So yeah, it really just involves, you know, getting uncomfortable and be willing to listen and just and just kind of go with it. And then once you flow with it and you just go with it and you let go, you'll be amazed at the transformations. That's really cool. And I like how you said you connect your mind and body. So you were doing this whole mind and body thing and you had to go back and find the moment or whatever. Where is that how you discovered all of your limiting beliefs? Like before you had been coached, would you have ever said that you had limiting beliefs? Or was it just like, these are facts, I'm dumb, you know? Yeah, no, I 100% thought they were facts. I didn't even know limiting beliefs existed. I just 100% felt dumb. 100% felt ugly. I couldn't even look myself in the mirror. Yeah, just everything, all these limiting beliefs were controlling my life and I just thought they were 100% true. I didn't think there was any other way. I had no idea that it was just a belief that I installed in myself and that I that I believed. Ugh, limiting beliefs are so sneaky and they feel so real and so factual. So I wondered, while working through these, if one day it's just poof, fixed. Because for me, it is a constant work. And quite honestly, it can be exhausting. I was super curious what she did specifically to help with those tricky beliefs. So I'm certified as an NLP practitioner, and there's a few different modalities and techniques. But timeline therapy is what did the biggest transformations in me, and that's what I explained. So there's five emotions that you go through and release, like all the limiting beliefs that were made through those emotions and the events. And if you're going through stress and anxiety, it helps release that as well. So you go through those five. And yeah, like it does definitely make a big transformation, but it also is ongoing work as well. Like after finishing with the life coach, it wasn't just I'm healed now and that's all. Like it takes ongoing work and that's when I started like instilling positive habits like daily meditations and journaling and just doing any sort of practice to get me out of my head and into my body. Ooh, I love this. Get out of your head and into your body. I've slowly been practicing mindfulness. With such a heavily distracted world around us, getting in touch with ourselves has become so difficult. A therapist told me about an app called Mindfulness. It's completely free and actually it was designed to help vets who suffer from PTSD. So of course I downloaded it and it's pretty cool. Maybe I'll put that in the show notes if you want to check it out. I believe it's just called mindfulness and it looks like a leaf. Anyway, do you have a hard time getting connected to your body? And what do you do that helps? I wanna hear more from you guys. Email me or send me a DM or a voice message. I'd love to hear. What helps you get out of your head and into your body? To maintain the good mindset, it definitely takes, you know, ongoing work and building habits and also just shifting your general focus because even though you have rewired a certain limiting belief, new limiting beliefs can still pop up if, like, you're open to it. So it's about 
you know, getting to that state where you completely and utterly love yourself, that it doesn't matter what anyone says, you'll be fine and you kind of, you won't take that on. Zoe lives true to this. When she first reached out to me, it sounded like she just wanted to come on my show and promote her life coaching business and kind of coach you guys on the show. I really don't want to create this place as a space where I'm trying to fix anyone. So I politely told her, no, thank you. She came back and clarified how she just wanted to share her story and get into her past with crippling anxiety. I was really impressed with her confidence and self-love. Of course, I wanted to keep it real. So we talked it out. So how does that look now? For example, when you asked, could I come coach your clients or whatever? And then I said, no, I feel like that could have triggered someone to be like, oh, I was bullied. Like, oh, they don't like me. And then you worry and stress. But I love how you were just like, oh, I'm sorry. You misunderstood. I just want to share my story. I felt like that was really cool how you didn't go into victim mode or like it's the worst. You know what I mean? So how did you control that thought? Because it's not fun to feel like someone doesn't like you or to feel like someone doesn't want you. But I feel like you didn't have that. You just like, actually, and then you explained it, if that makes sense. Yeah, 100%. And that's another thing where some like where a lot of people go wrong is that they live in victim mode. They live in effect when, and that's where I used to live as well, when we really want to live at cause. Like people can, you know, contribute to how we feel. But at the end of the day, we need to take responsibility for how we feel and how we act and everything in our lives. And that's living at cause. Yeah, if I took what Chelsea said to me personally and believed it to mean all these limiting beliefs and things about me, like I'm not good enough, I'm not liked, then I would have been living at effect. But no, also through working with a coach, I've learned that I can take responsibility of my life and, you know, I can make my own internal representation of everything around me. And the coach also helped me build a lot of confidence as well. And this is also what I work on myself and with my clients. So now I was confident enough to be like, yep, maybe she's just misunderstood me. I'll explain a little bit better. And if not, then that's fine. You know, it just wasn't meant to be. And that has also been like a big turning point for me, like just because one thing doesn't work. It's not the end of the world. Sometimes things just aren't meant to be and something better will come along as well. Oh, I love that. Just not putting so much of it, making it about you and the confidence part too. Oh, that was so cool. So what is your favorite way of connecting with your body and your mind? I would definitely say meditation. I meditate every morning. That would be my biggest recommendation to get me like out of my head and into my body. And I do like a range of different meditations. Like I have my own meditations on SoundCloud and I just go through whichever one I feel called to do, whether it's the self-love one, a priming one, which kind of is about focusing on three emotions that you want to embody. So that one's really powerful as well. So say you're stuck in negative beliefs, you could say like happiness, a love, and maybe connection that you want to focus on. It's just about like really focusing on embodying three emotions and kind of embodying them into yourself. That one's really powerful or like an inner child one as well or a deep breathing one. There's just so many and they really get me out of my head into my body. And also I just like I always do a little dance in the morning and that really helps me as well and it just kind of completely shifts your energy. It's amazing like how much just your morning routine can set you up for the day and shift your energy if you take the time. And I notice when I haven't made the time for my morning routine, I do notice that 
it's just one thing going wrong after the other because you haven't made that time for yourself in the morning to set your day up. I love that you said that you do a little dance because I've been exploring this whole mind and body stuff lately too. And it was when I did your course through the Facebook group and it said just like you said, I can't remember, you let us through meditation and it was just like, listen to your body and what it needs. And so often I try to get myself to be calm and quiet and to feel a peace. And then I feel more anxiety, kind of like you said, like how you couldn't breathe when you were doing breathing exercises because you were stressed about doing it right or whatever. Like I've had those times where I'm like, I'm doing yoga and I can't breathe. (laughs) I don't know. And it says breathe from your chest or from your belly. And I'm like, I can't, I'm breathing from like my back shoulders. (laughs) Anyway, so after I did your little class or whatever I did, I just listened to my body and my body wanted to dance because I'm a dancer and a singer and a performer and I just haven't done that in so long. And so I did, I just turned on a song that just inspired me and I just sang really loud and just danced for like hours. And I felt so much better after just listening to the way my body wanted to move. My body didn't want to hold still and meditate at that time. My body wanted to dance, you know? So I just really loved that. You might actually be surprised what your body really wants when you take a moment and listen to it. Does it want to take a bath? Does it want to hold still? Does it want to scream into a pillow and punch your bed? Listen to your body and then do it. Not what you think it should need or what the self-help book told you to do. Your soul knows what it needs if we can just stop resisting for a moment and listen. So how did Zoe go from being life coached to being a life coach? We'll find out this and a little more after the break. Do you ever feel a little bit exhausted by your social media feed? Seeing everyone else's perfect moments and forget that they have a whole life going on behind the scenes? Don't you wish that there was a place to connect with people in a more authentic way? A place where the imperfection and messiness of life is celebrated? Well, if you want to connect with others like you, who celebrate the good times and are real about the not-so-good times, then join us in the Beyond the Picket Fence Facebook group. It's our secret corner of the internet where you can escape all of the highlight reels and create more meaningful connections. Let's stop comparing and start being compassionate towards others and especially ourselves. Find it at facebook.com slash groups slash beyond the picket fence. Link also in the show notes. Can't wait to see you in there. Zoe has finally overcome her chronic stress and anxiety. No more headaches, no more panic attacks. So then what? You went from being life coached and now you're a life coach. Tell me about that. So after being coached by a life coach myself, like it helped me not only transform my life, like overcome the chronic stress and anxiety and overcome the limiting beliefs and, you know, learn to love myself. It helped me learn to feel beautiful and smart and just like capable and good enough and to look at situations differently and to feel more safety and more, you know, connection to my body after that. My mind was blown. I'm like, this actually works. And it helped me find my purpose as well that it, you know, that it actually works. And I desire to help women going through similar situations. I've always been a people person, but I never really knew what I wanted to do. So I believe that this journey, like what I've gone through, has actually happened for a reason for me to now use my unfortunate experiences to help other women going through similar situations. And yeah, for a while there, I was just putting it off and thought it wasn't possible for me. 
you know, I was never really a liked person. So, you know, who would want to work with me or be coached by me? But one thing I've really worked on and I've really proven to myself, one of my top values is courage. And I've taken a lot of courage lately, you know, with, you know, starting a life coaching business and going all in on myself, you know, investing over $10,000 in like two courses at once to really just do my best so I can support as many women as possible. So yeah, it really just took getting to that point where, no, I really desire this. I'm worth this. I want to bring a good experience from my unfortunate experience. And from there, you know, I just started, you know, a lot of the times we overcomplicate stuff and we feel like we have to know X, Y, Z before starting, but you learn through going through the process and just giving things a go. And like what I also like to believe is, you know, there's no such thing as a mistake, only learning experience, a growth experience. You can grow and, you know, get better. And that's really helped me as well. So true. If I waited until I knew what I was doing or felt confident in starting this podcast, there would be no show. I would have missed out on all the amazing experiences and new friends I've made I may not have even realized the trauma that I still needed to face. Even though I'm a little uncomfortable right now and my mental health is a little wonky, my life is so much more meaningful. I actually think I'm becoming a better human. I like that idea that there's no such thing as a mistake, only a learning experience. So what does your life look like now opposed to what it was like back then? My life is completely different now. So... Now I just like really have that deep sense of love and peace in my body. Like one thing that I really love that I'm noticing a lot lately is I used to always have like a really tense and tight muscles, especially in my stomach. And now it just feels like so at peace and relaxed. So I feel peaceful every day. I feel happy every day. I feel love and joy every day. I feel confident. I just am raging with positive emotions now. So that's what's really different. I have courage now when I used to never have courage because I felt too dumb to even try anything. You know, I'm talking to beautiful women every day. I'm coaching women as well, but I'm also currently still working casually in another job in a doctor's clinic. So I'm doing like that a little bit plus my coaching business. So doing both of those is keeping me busy. But yeah, I'm also kind of making the time for myself and making the time. Like originally, I would never meditate or do anything in the morning. Like I used to just get up and, you know, have to go straight to the gym or go straight to the work because part of my chronic stress and anxiety was I was so focused on, you know, my health and my body and having to look a certain way because I just cared about what other people thought, but I didn't care about, you know, sort of what was happening internally. So I didn't feel I had the time to meditate because I had to go to the gym to look a certain way. So my life's changed a lot that as well. Like I'm really seeing, you know, what's important now. And I'm now able to make time for what's important. Where back then I see my family a lot more regularly now. And back then I didn't, because again, I didn't feel like I had time. I just felt like I had to work or be at the gym or be doing something like that. So interesting how a lot of people go to the gym or diet or stuff like that for themselves. Going to the gym is a good thing, but not when you're doing it for someone else or to look a certain way for someone else. So I think like now if you go to the gym, you probably enjoy it more 
and your body actually probably makes changes because it's coming from a place of love. Like you already love your body and now you just want to take care of your body. And it's not that you're trying to make sure you look a certain way for someone else. Is that true? (laughs) Yeah, a hundred percent. So now like I move for enjoyment. I move because it makes me feel good. And I've been doing a few home workouts at the moment, but lately I've been getting into Pilates and I've been finding that more beneficial than the gym. And I just love like the vibe and everything, but I just go there with like no intention of, you know, having to go all hard or anything like that, just about the movement and connecting to my body. And it just makes me feel good and gives me more energy and, you know, sets the day off right. So my mindset, yeah, has completely changed on that. Yeah. And yeah, I wasn't really getting results when I used to go to the gym because I was so focused on, you know, losing weight and trying to build muscle. But of course, when you're chronic stress and anxious, it's going to be really hard because your body's like holding on to all that fat, trying to keep you safe. And you can't build muscle when you're in that state of chronic stress and anxiety. So it was just felt like I was putting in all this work, but not really getting anywhere. It's crazy how when we come from a place of love, everything just feels better. I read a quote this week that talked about shame. It says, the truth is that many of us have the motivation to engage in self-improvement due to societal pressures, external expectations, or even shame about not being good enough in some areas. But if we strive to improve ourselves simply to please others, we are likely to end up feeling unsatisfied, even if we succeed in our self-improvement goals. So it's worth thinking about your reasons for engaging in self-improvement, acknowledging any shame, and rethinking your self-improvement goals to ensure that they are in alignment with your core values. A while ago, I was talking with a friend and she mentioned how she hated self-help books because they made her feel worse and even more stressed. I'd add, feel shame. I thought that I was the only one who felt like crap after reading self-help books, but this quote blew my mind. How often are we trying to change something because we're supposed to? Because our body doesn't look like society told us it should. Because we want to keep up with the Joneses. Next time I make a goal or seek to improve anything, I will definitely measure it against my values. And to do that, I better figure out what my values are. (laughs) I'll work on that. But from now on, I want to make changes from a place of love. Then if I fail, I'll do my best to be gentle on myself. So Zoe talked a lot about her childhood and frustrations with her parents. And I was curious what those relationships look like now. It sounds like when you went through your timeline stuff with your coach, that's when you realized everything that happened with your parents is maybe what was starting the chronic anxiety. Did you have to set boundaries with your parents or did you just rethink it? And like, do you have a good relationship with them or what does that look like now? Yeah, I think it's just come down to the fact that I'm now taking responsibility, like I'm not living in effect anymore of, oh, it's all their fault. They may be this way. They don't love me. I'm coming from a place of love and knowing that they were doing the best they could with the resources that they had. Like we can't do what we don't know. So I really learned to, you know, forgive them and know that, you know, we're on different levels. Like my parents still don't really know much about healing and about Like I've obviously spoken to them about what I'm doing and being a life coach, but they don't really know much about it, but they are, you know, accepting of it now, which is really nice. But I've just learned, yeah, that they're on their different journeys and not to take what they say personally, but know that they've always got the best intention at heart and they're just, you know, 
They're just saying what, what they believe is right at the time. So I don't blame them all anymore. And yeah, I say I have a good relationship with both of them. Um, my dad travels a lot, so I don't really see him a lot, but we do still talk on the phone and everything like that. So I would say, yeah, I do have a pretty good relationship with them. I would like to see them a little bit more, but we still get to talk on the phone, which is really nice. I'm so excited about that. So it sounds like that after you have gone through this whole journey that really you stepped out of the victim mode and now you are kind of more in charge of your life. Even though we can't control the circumstances in our lives, we can always control how we react to everything. We were nearing the end of our conversation, and before I asked the last question, I asked if there was anything else that we wanted to talk about. And she mentioned a relationship with her sister. She wanted to shed more light on that. Growing up, I had an older sister, and I always, you know, really looked up to her and thought how pretty and smart she was. And she as well used to do a lot of things for me, just like, you know, an older sister does. But she also used to put me down a lot as well. And literally everything she said I originally believed to be true. She still puts me down sometimes to this day, but I I know that it's coming from a place of love and just because, you know, she cares for me and wants the best for me. And the fact that she was the one that kind of showed me, you know, the life coach in the first place, I know that she's always had the best interests at heart. And it's crazy. Like I even just feel like I've had a really good relationship with her lately and, you know, I've opened up and told her stuff that I wouldn't usually tell her before. And she was actually like really supportive of it, which was really unusual for me. I didn't expect. So just go to show like sometimes, you know, you're afraid of telling someone something because you make all these beliefs and thoughts up in your head of how they react. And sometimes it can be complete opposite. So just like inviting anyone out there not to be afraid of telling people stuff because you never know how they will react. And, you know, sometimes just letting your thoughts out will really truly set you free rather than, you know, keeping it stuck in your head and always fearing what other people will think or say. Did your sister have any form of chronic stress or anxiety growing up? No, not that I know of at all, no. Did she struggle with you being so negative all the time? Was that a struggle when you guys were little? Yeah, 100%. She said that, you know, it was hard to be around me. She didn't really want to be around me. And she even said, like, obviously I started the chronic stress and anxiety at the age of 11. And she said, yeah, before that, we used to be like friends. Like we were really close and had fun. And after that, we just could never have fun or do anything anymore because I was just always negative. So yeah, that really hit home for me as well when she said that. Do you remember a specific trigger when you were 11? Yeah, it was like the friend being really skinny and making us fat. Yeah. Oh, yeah. At 11, that's so sad, especially that's like when we're just starting to like go through puberty and our body's changing and we all, some people get slimmed down and some people get, you know, chubbier. (laughs) I have a sister-in-law from the Philippines and when she moved here to America before they got married, she lived at my house and she was looking through my high school yearbook and she's like, oh, Chelsea, you were so chubby. And I was like, I did not think I was chubby. (laughs) I'm like, you're just really skinny, okay? (laughs) It's sad how that is a huge weight in a lot of, I don't know, people's lives, but I feel like a lot, mostly women, is like a poor little 11-year-old shouldn't have even be thinking about that yet. Yeah, 100%. Crazy. So what are you the most proud of yourself for? I'm the most proud of myself for just like starting this journey in the first place, you know, saying yes to myself and 
investing in myself and then putting in the work to overcome my chronic stress and anxiety and like I'm so proud of like pretty much everything that I've done but I guess the biggest thing that I'm proud of was definitely taking that first investment and leap in myself because that's what started it all and that's what completely started my journey and started to transform my life. Yeah it's so hard to see for me because I only know you as this version of yourself you know so I can't even put the two of you next to each other to compare not that that's a good thing to do but just the peacefulness and watching you grow your new program and stuff it's very as a new podcaster it is very scary to start something because I have a life coach and after going through everything it came down to this fact that I had like like, what's the purpose in your life? What do you want to do with your life? And I'm like, well, I have this idea for a podcast and I really want to do it, but I just, I'm not smart enough or I'm not good enough to make it work. And then, yeah, I just like, so I guess that's why I'm here too, is because of a life coach and finally just realizing like I can make my life however I want it to be. So I think it's super important what you're doing and I'm I'm proud of you. I don't even know what you looked like before, but just watching everything you're doing now is just it takes a lot of courage. I don't think people realize how much courage it takes to create, to be a creator of something. You know what I mean? It's kind of scary. Yeah, 100%. And yeah, it just goes to show like how much we all need that support in our life, you know, whether it's a life coach or whoever you desire to see, but it just goes to show how we really need that, you know, support, that person to help us get out of our own way. Because I feel like that's where a lot of people go wrong. It's like, we're constantly standing in our own way. So we need that life coach or some sort of support around us to help us get out of our own way so we can you know overcome our limiting beliefs and step into the person we desire to be so I love how you've also had that support to overcome your beliefs and allow yourself to start your podcast as well that's amazing even though it's like every time I do an interview or every time I try to get on another podcast or every time I even post like a reel on Facebook, I always have that fear. Do you have that fear still? Like when you're about to go teach one of your classes, do you still have like that little moment of fear? Yeah, definitely. I feel like the fear never goes away. That's always there, but you just, you know, you just get better at it and you break through it quicker and like you just, your energy shifts really quickly once you get on there. It's just that first initial step. And then once you're on it, like it's fine. Yeah, it's like when you're rappelling. I don't know if you've ever gone rappelling, but it's just like that right over the cliff. And then when you go down, it's like super fun. It's just that one little moment of like, what am I doing? (laughs) I love it. Get out of your own way. Hmm. What an interesting thought. Zoe is so sweet. And I love that she kept on me about coming onto my show to share her story and her heart. If you resonate with her story and want to learn more, you can totally connect with her on Instagram and Facebook. No worries, I'll put all the links to that in the show notes. And without further ado, I asked. What do you wish people saw beyond your white picket fence? Might not seem like I've been through hell, but my childhood was very, very hard. You know, growing up with an alcoholic mother and having a dad that I barely saw and that, to me, didn't feel like he cared. Also in school, you know, what contributed to me feeling dumb was would have like a spelling test done on us. And because I would struggle to spell words without, you know, learning them first, I got put in the easiest group that was like spelling words that I already knew how to spell like cat and dog. And I was even like so, so, you know, stressed about that. And, you know, most kids in school, they don't want to go to school. They don't want to learn. They're fine if they get really easy work. But I was chronically stressed and wanting the teacher to give me more work to try and get smarter and prove that I'm not dumb because I felt so like dumb and unworthy. So 
it's just crazy like how different we can be based on all these beliefs that come up and how hard it was to get to where I am now and how much work it's still going to take. Like it's not just we get to that end result and we're fine. Like it takes consistent work and it takes, you know, never giving up. The courage and commitment and determination I have taken to create my dreams and putting in the work to maintain my daily rituals, no matter how busy life gets, I know that if I don't make time for my daily rituals, that my day will not go to plan. And I could also fall back into that chronic stress and anxiety if I don't, you know, keep up my daily rituals and if I don't keep putting that work on myself. And just the judgment that I had from family and from people at school growing up and just not having that support of having someone that, you know, understood me. So I just encourage anyone out there that doesn't feel supported, just know that you're not alone that there is support out there and if anyone wants to talk about it, I'm definitely here because I know how hard it is to, you know, find that person that can support you. Even growing up, you know, I had my family, friends and even a partner at the time say, just stop stressing like it was so simple because they hadn't been through it so they didn't understand. And also the, the amount of resistance I had to healing in the begin with, like I didn't make it easy for my coach. So I just want no one to feel that, you know, that it's not possible for them because sometimes you just need that extra reassurance, you just need that little bit of time, but if you truly want something, you can break through it and, you know, just finding those people that you can trust and talk to. I really hope that this benefits some ladies out there because, yeah, I truly know what it can feel like to feel, you know, so stuck and alone and like no one understands and I just want you to know that you're not alone and, you know, help us out there, stay strong, you can get through it. This has been another episode of Beyond the Picket Fence. If you have a story to share or you know someone that does, please reach out to me on my website, Facebook, or Instagram. The link for all these things should be in the show notes. Will. They will be in the show notes. I'm going to put them there for you. And as always, be kind, because you never know what's going on beyond the picket fence.